episode 324, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 7, episode 9, As I Have Always Been. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I am one of three hosts here to talk about this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., part of the MCU. The other two people are right over there. It's Samantha. Hi. And it's Stuart. Yay, I'm back. Here. Yes. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Good. Did you enjoy this episode of Star Trek Next Generation? <laughs> yes. This is my one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's just the one as wh- much as I enjoyed Groundhog's Day. Watch the first step. <laughs> oh, yep. Man. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation did an episode like this. Stargate has done episodes like this. X Files, I believe, has done X Files like this or episodes yes. like this. Yes, they have. Um, X Files probably did Supernatural. An yeah, Supernatural's you... done this. Yeah, <laughs> this is the whole plot of uh, of Galaxy Quest, the whole MacGuffin of Galaxy Quest. So the Groundhog Day loop story kind of thing. Um, it's fun, and I enjoy it. And I we are going to talk about it right now because man, was this episode good? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this whole season. Actually, it's Groundhog's Day where you can literally see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, which is why it's that Star Trek: The Next Generation yes. episode. It's Groundhog's yes. Day with a uh, with a um, a time bomb attached. Yes. yes, which that that was one of my favorite things about this episode. You just want to talk about it now? We should do that. It's a runaway train. Well, I and mean. It's headed- we yeah. might as well just jump right into it um, because, I mean, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. I, yeah. So I loved the fact that there was a timer on it and that every single time it got closer and closer. And the first time it said it, I was like, that's that's not right. And then I was rewarded with my with being able to catch on to it because then they explained it all in the, in the episode. But. Yeah, I really thought that was an ingenious thing because even Groundhog Day, which is the, you know, the gold standard of this time loop sort of thing, right? They didn't have a timer on it. Bill Murray had to figure something out, right? This yeah. was going to end sooner or later. <laughs> and hopefully it was going to end well for our team, but it may not have. Well, but that's the thing is sometimes it's all about how the character has to learn something. Right. And figure it out, you know, and then other times it's all about how the character has to um, figure something out. Death. And yeah, it's it's a it's a technical problem, you know, stop, stop the timer. Uh, this time around, it was a little bit of both. Uh, it was a little bit of both because they're they're figuring out how do we get around these different obstacles. But there's also personal stuff going on. And, um, you know, Daisy has to find love. 
And she does. Yes, because that's totally driving the whole story in this episode. Yes. <laughs> and once again, I wish they'd have brought on him last season. Yeah. Yeah. But if they had, they wouldn't have done this episode. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, this is so one of those. Is she looking for love in all the wrong places? Well, I mean, uh, she's barely. looking for love in just that same spot right there. And over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she finds out what he already knew. Uh, but then, I mean, let's talk about this. So we have this time loop going that keeps resetting and resetting and resetting and resetting. And we'll talk about the, all the, the things that go into that, but she kisses him in one of those loops and it's just like Fitz and Simmons getting married and then Fitz dies and old Fitz comes and old Fitz isn't married to Simmons. He missed out on it. Same thing here for Sousa. The poor guy missed out on the kiss because in a following loop, that's when they figure things out. Yeah. Well, at least now she knows that if she wants to make a move in the future, which I'm going to guess, yes, she can. But it does bring up some some moral issues, you know? Uh, about like, should she have done that? Should she yeah. have waited, you know, or, um, or you know? here's also another thought I had. Um, what if they get out of this loop and Daisy can't remember anything that happened in, in that well either in that time? Well, I really yeah. hope not because I've talked about this before about how much I hate it when you reset the characters along with the plot. Uh, true, yeah. Oh man, do I not like that. This worked well. This worked well because you had two characters who knew what was going on. Every time it resets, there's rules uh, and they're trying to get around those rules. So it's not just – and honestly, if you had ended this with something that followed the rules where she doesn't remember what was going on, I'd be okay with that if it followed the rules because they're working – to avoid this, you know, they're actively trying to make sure that she can remember what's going on because with every loop she dies or with every loop that she dies, she remembers, I should say. And so if she makes it to the time explosion thing, then she'll remember everything. But if she dies, then she will not. And Colson has to start over completely with her. Yeah. Uh, so it's like playing certain games where if you die, you have to start the whole game over all over again. It's like playing Super Mario Brothers and you run out of lives. Yeah, yeah, kind of like yeah. that. You you go back to the save point, you know, or you go back all the way to the beginning. And Yeah, yeah but I got a warp whistle. I'm going to finish the game. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of you guys ever see Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. No. And I read the book great. too. Oh, I haven't read the book yet. Yeah, it's, I've heard the book is good. It is pretty good. It is. Okay. Um and it's different enough from the book that I I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Because oh, uh good. the movie is a definitely a better movie than the book is. But the book is a better book than the movie is. You know, like it's they both work well in their own medium. Uh but it's that good. same kind of idea. Because it does, it does remind me of a video game. And that's what Edge of Tomorrow is, is just you're playing, you're memorizing the level, 
and then yes. and then you die and you start over and you're memorizing the level to get a little bit further and then you die and you start over and you, and that's what this is too is memorizing the levels trying to figure it out run out of time but you get to try try it over again did did you feel like the loop was not a very long amount of time in this episode yeah yeah i did it was like it was like 20 minutes or something like that maybe not even that long it'd be like, i was thinking like somewhere between 10 to 15 it wasn't quite real time which is fine you know but it also yeah. wasn't like you know they're spending days figuring things out and then oh we ran out of time because it was definitely a high energy we have to do this quick we have to do this now and it just and there was a lot of um there was a lot of having to find the shortcuts to figuring out what was the important information. So, you know, uh, um, her telling Gemma, think of a made up word and Gemma responding and then being able to get to that point a lot quicker. Yeah. Which is unlike Edge of Tomorrow. Right, because Edge of Tomorrow, they have to do, redo the whole thing completely. And you only you only get to restart once you die. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, what I liked again, what I liked about this was that there was a time limit on it, not a decision limit. Uh, yeah. And it's the same. I mean, Groundhog Day itself, it was a time limit. You know, he was living that that particular day. Um, over and over again, and he'd fall asleep and then he would. He would wake up and it was the beginning of the day What's again. What's the song that woke him up? Um, Sonny and Cher's uh, I Got You, Babe. I've Got You, Babe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go watch Groundhog Day. That's I almost said heat of the moment. And for everyone who has seen Supernatural, they will laugh because that was a song that Sam woke up to in every morning in, in their Groundhog Day episode. Um, but that one's actually quite humorous. I mean, I think... I don't know. I think you guys might be able to watch it without having seen the entire series. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. It, it's definitely a fan it's favorite a, episode. Yeah, I, I just don't need. Don't need that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Supernatural. I'm sure it did it well. You know, oh, but yeah, I know it's did. definitely gonna be more appreciated if if uh, if I know the characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of these, one of the things these time loop episodes or sh stories have the potential to do is do comedy, right? Because you get the thing about, you know, the Stargate one specifically, because I just watched it recently. Oh, really? I'm doing a, yeah, I'm doing a Stargate watch. Um, he, it, like, at one point, he spins around in his chair, he, he juggles, he does the yo yo, because they don't, they don't know how many times they've done the loop, right? Isn't that the one? Don't they learn Latin? Yeah. Like, they, yeah. Uh, and, and Teal's like, just shut up and memorize it, dude. And he's like, I don't want to because he's Jack. Um, so they, the comedy element in these time loop stories is very prevalent. It's easy to do, right? What I liked about this was that there was a high action as well. So you had some, yeah, comedy stuff, but you also had a lot of drama where she's talking to um, to Sousa at one point and, you know, they have this heart to heart. She's like, yeah, I got a loop. It's fine. So, you know, that's a that's a that's a that's a 
pat on the back to Elizabeth Henstridge, who's the director of this episode, um, as well as the writers and, you know, the creators of it. By the way, she didn't. I think she did a great job. Yeah, considering this is a, you know, it, it, I don't know if this is her first time directing, but she's not known to be a director, yeah, it right? Is. It's her first yeah. directing gig. Yep. Yep. Talk to her about hitting the hard ones. Yeah, but I, I think she did really. What probably helped was that she was working with a crew that she's been working with for what yeah. seven years now. Yeah. So I'm sure that they were very happy to help her as much as they could. I mean, another thing that would be helpful in directing in this situation is this is a bottle episode. Yes. So there's no on-location shooting. Uh, it's all in familiar places, and it's all mm-hmm. – so it's familiar for her, but it's also very familiar for the crew that she's working with. Uh, so mm-hmm. they know this place, and it's not a lot of new stuff, new uh, setup, camera setups, new light configurations. It's It's all right there. It's all ready to go. It's also, you know – a cheap episode to make because of that. I mean, this is, this is one of those ways you get around the fact that this is a bottle episode. Right. And and I think just, yeah, just give it a really, really good script. Yeah. The next generation episode that, uh, was it cause and effect? Yes. Yeah. And and that was also a, a bottle episode. The, if I remember correctly, the Stargate episode was a bottle episode as well, where they're on, they're mostly in the, uh, in the yeah, the they, station, right? they start on a planet and then they, they, the bulk of the episode, uh, takes place in uh, the SGC and then they have to end up back on the planet. Yeah. I was listening to a thing about that and I actually, that episode came in short. <laughs> so they cut a bunch of stuff and then they, and it came in under time. So they had to go back and film a bunch of B roll. So that's where a lot of like, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, you know, juggling and, doing the yo-yo and all sort of stuff came in i mean but for stargate like they just used the set that they had uh for the sgc and then they also use the set they had for vancouver forest you know which is every probably the same set that um supernatural used yes it's possible (laughs) i mean every every planet that they they visit is is vancouver and so yeah um also this uh the star trek episode is the one with kelsey Grammer. Where he oh, yes. he's the the captain of another ship that kind of kind of caused this loop or got caught in it before, and right. he wasn't that the Enterprise B that was stuck in that loop. No, no, that was yeah. a different that was a different episode. Okay, this, this is a this is a ship that was from uh, the movie era, and, and that you, yeah. you can tell because of the the uniforms they have and the collar that he has and all that stuff. Um, that's my favorite Star Trek uniform. And so Kelsey Grammer showing up for a, you know less than a minute at the end of the episode wearing that uniform. I was just like, oh, that is so cool. Um, if I remember correctly, that was, a I think, a Reliant-class starship, but I, I might be wrong about that one. But, man, I, I love that he showed up wearing that jacket-style uniform that they have because that's my favorite. With the flap yeah. open? I don't remember if the flap was flap was open, but it's the the uniform with that flap that goes over to the their shoulder, and then it has the right. little little uh, shoulder strap there. And, yeah, that's what all my characters wear in Star Trek Online. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of Star Trek, okay, so I want to jump to the end of this episode. Um, 
Um, Enoch's last line, which is also the title of the episode, uh, as he was saying it, it reminded me of when um, uh, Spock dies at the end of Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. And his line is, I have been and always shall be your friend. And Enix line and that line from Spock, uh, at first I was thinking, wait, is it the same line? And then I went and looked it up. No, it's not exactly, but it's in that same sentiment. It's has it's similar wording. That, well, because um, he says, Fitz was my best friend or something like that. And then he, and then mm-hmm. he says, as I have always been. But his last word is actually Fitz, right? If I remember correctly. No, he his last fits. words are literally as I have always okay. been. Because I, I think he was also speaking directly to Sky and Coulson. I just, it was a real, I don't know if it's a missed opportunity or if or what it is, but we keep saying there has to be payoff. There has to be payoff for Fitz being gone this long. Um, we missed a moment here. Fitz missed a moment here. Uh, because they were, they were buddies. Yeah, they were buddies, and and wherever Fitz is, he he missed out on Enoch's death, except for one thing, and that is that Enoch says he's seen the end. He's seen what happens to their their family, to their team. Yeah, which and they're um, not going to be together. Which, considering what what. what made after they took out Diana out of her head um, uh, and considering her reaction as she was beginning to remember things, I think she was seeing a lot of people's deaths. Did she go into a cave in on, uh, on Asgard and, and watch Ultron? That's like the question. Thor did. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I So they have just raised the stakes for me. Yes. Like by by having Fitz be forced to miss out on this moment, which it was still a great moment. It was still a good moment. The whole thing with Gemma was good and the whole thing with um, him dying and they're not going to let him die alone. That's good. It was good stuff that was going on there. So I'm not I'm not complaining about that. What I am saying is for the writers, for the showrunners, for all the people involved here to say we are going to have this moment happen without fits. They just raised the bar for me and what they need to do to make it worth having fits not there. Here's the here's another question I have. Enix Enoch has already seen the future. What if to Enoch, Fitz has already died? Well, I'm wondering if, so wherever Fitz is right in this moment that goes along with the time, you know, as, as they're getting ready to find him and get to him, um, I'm wondering if Enoch is somehow past Enoch is with him right now. So like so Enoch so- lived through being with Fitz and now is living through not being with Fitz and uh, so are we going to see an old Enoch sitting on a bench with Captain America's shield? No, no, because <laughs> we just witnessed the old Enoch. Like we witnessed but, the end of Enoch's life, uh, but there's a chapter of Enoch's life we haven't seen yet that has that is with Fitz, I think, is with Fitz 
where Enoch gets to see the end of our team and our family. But we already left the main timeline. There's another issue there, too. They've made waves. It's altered the course of time. Is Here's another question. Maybe the reason why the Zephyr was malfunctioning is because they're no longer no longer connected to the same timeline and Fitz lost them somehow. I don't know. You know, there's one way I kind of got around this with one of my books um, where I created a place called the time between times. And this is like when you go and you're traveling through time, you go into this other place, this other realm that's not affected by cause and effect in the same way. And so if time changes, yeah, if time changes while you're in there, it doesn't affect you. And so that's how you avoid the grandfather paradox, you know, and um, I'm wondering if there's something like that going on here too, where Fitz is somewhere beyond time and is able to, you know, kind of see all of these pieces. He's able to watch it change maybe even. Um, DC uh, has has some things like that in there, the way that their time travel works. And it's 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 not uncommon. So I, that might be also be a way to get around this is that Fitz is watching time change and he's able to see where the changes happen. And he's kind okay. of just watching it from afar or something like that. And I'm... I'm just ready for some really funky mind bending maybe episode where we get to see Diana and and why she's so adorable because uh, right now she's just a weird chip, you know, from from Simmons head. Um, I'm just waiting for that. I'm waiting for this mind bending episode or or where it's like, uh, you know, the caretaker in Voyager where for you to understand what you're looking at, we're just making it look like it's just some folksy down home town like you would see in, in the Andy Griffith show. And okay. I, they just have to do something big and amazing. It has to pay off. That's the thing. It has to pay off. And if it doesn't pay off, it's going to blow it. I'm sorry. I want it to be wonderful, but if they don't pay off fits well, the season might be ruined. Okay. This season has had this episode. This season has had, I mean, look at the episodes we've had in this season Mm -hmm. where it's, it's, I, I, I'm looking at this season. I think this is maybe one of the best seasons we've ever had because of how many, because of how many just great episodes by themselves there's been, but not only that, how many great episodes that are linked to each other. I mean, this season is just working really well. Um, if the Fitz thing doesn't pay off, I don't think they can ruin the, I don't think they can retro ruin this episode, this season for me. You know, like there have been some shows where you get to an episode and you're just like, I'm done. And it retro ruins the rest of the show for me, so I can't even go back and rewatch. Oh, like the series finale of Lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I didn't hate it. This is the thing. You know, I know it's that's that's a really easy one to jump on. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it enough for me to invest in watching five seasons of television again. Yeah. But I didn't hate quarter- it. The last half of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that one, too. That one, yeah. 
again, I can't bring myself to go back and rewatch four whole seasons if that's where it's going to take me. Well, and and six if you include Caprica. But let's not. Well, but here that Caprica Mm. did not end well either. Uh, If I remember correctly, yeah, there was a point in in Caprica where it was like, okay, this is really getting to be weird, and I just quit watching it. Well, where is it going? Is the big question. You know, like. Um, the yeah. reason I say it might ruin the whole season is because one of the through lines, if not the most important through line through all of these episodes is Fitz is out there looking at us, looking for us, making the way for us. I know I can't know where he is. That's why I put a chip in my head. You know what I mean? So there's this whole, there's this whole through line of where's Fitz. And if it's just like, I don't even want to pretend like I know it, what it could be, but if it's not satisfying, if it's not, if it doesn't pay off well, then what's the point of putting it there in the first place? We'll have to wait and see. That's true. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. How many more episodes do we have? Well, this was episode Four. nine. Yeah. Four yeah. When I was recording episodes? the when I was recording the opening, I realized, oh, this is episode nine. Shoot. I felt a little bit sad, actually, realizing there's only four more episodes in this whole series. Like, when you just said it right now, I was like, oh. Yeah. Four more episodes. Four Four more. Four more verifiable MCU television. Mm -hmm. Because they're not. Because we haven't heard anything about them, you know, reclassifying it, right? Like, it's quote unquote MCU. I mean, they closed this down a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But were you, or were you asking about, is this no longer MCU? Are you playing, yeah. are you playing, is it MCU with us right now? Not, not really, but kind of. Seriously? Yeah, I there, mean, there I, are. I got no question. There are well, arguments on the, on the interwebs that, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer MCU. Wrong. I know, right, but, but, I'm, but I know. I've gotten into many arguments with some of these people, and I've given up trying to argue with them because they are just wholeheartedly are all into it's no longer MCU. It's never right. You know. Well, they what can't asking, say that until we get to the end. That's for sure. True. Marvel hasn't come out and said Marvel Disney no. Feige hasn't come out and said, oh yeah, well you know, kind of like the Netflix shows, you know, because they did that with the Netflix stuff, right? No, I don't think they did. No. I, Oh, no. Here's the thing. Okay, so even if we are in another universe or an alternate timeline at this point, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started out in the MCU proper. Prime timeline. Let's call it prime prime timeline, okay? It started there. It is MCU. Like, there's no question. Now, are they in a different timeline that could be – they set it up in such a way that they went and did time travel into the future, came back into the past, and all of that, that they set up could have just caused this to be an alternate timeline. And that's why the snap didn't happen is because it was an alternate timeline. And that is – is it what I want? No. Is it okay? Sure. Because we are in a fantastic season of television that if that they – you know, it wouldn't have been this season if they had tried to do something different because it would be different, you know? And so I am, I will remain adamant that this is MCU. There's no way around it. That's what this is. 
it might be a different timeline and we might get an explanation at some point here at the end of the season that's going to give us more answers and give us a more specific explanation in world on screen. But for right now, the only explanation I have is we are either going to fix this timeline and get it back to where it was or back to the proper timeline for MCU or if they don't say anything at all, for me, it's just when they went into the future and they came back in time and they did all the different things that they did that was that caused a branch in time. And does it fit with the explanations they've had about how time travel works? I don't care <laughs> because <laughs> because it's just like Star Trek at this point. There's different rules that are happening yeah. in different places and yeah. No one is ever going to say, except for Gene Roddenberry, who might say that some of the animated series isn't canon and Star Trek V isn't canon. Okay, so Gene Roddenberry might say that, and he can say that as much as he wants. Um, in my he mind, say it much anymore. But... Well, now he doesn't. Yeah. Right? Um, but in my mind, all Star Trek that was on the screen is Star Trek that mm-hmm. was on the screen, and it is all one universe, one multiverse, I should say, because there are places where they have the dark universe and they have um you know the the kelvin timeline and all that um but when it contradicts itself that's when you say to yourself it's just a show i should really just relax so i yes so as long as you know they (laughs) i really shouldn't get so worked up (laughs) sorry then it's a podcast you know (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do you're right yeah, right. This is this is our little soapbox. It's true. It's true. I'm uh, sorry, I interrupted. It's, it's personal on demand casting. So it's personal and it's on demand. They could stop listening. Don't stop listening, please. Yeah, don't don't uh, say it like that, man. <laughs> okay, anyway. I interrupted you. Until they say otherwise, it's MCU. So it's gonna have some sort of resolution. It's they've got to have some sort of resolution. They didn't get an extra season to not do that. They're writing to an end, just like we've been saying for how long. I just, I hope it's good. I have very little doubts right now that it won't be because of just how good these episodes have been. Is it perfect television? No, because there's no such thing, but I've been strongly entertained okay. i okay, have been ben. entertained this last episode uh, uh how, how many stars how many zephyrs out of five do you give this uh-huh. you're trying to trap me right now no I'm yeah not. I'm, I'm legit asking you okay i, I, what you're gonna say. <laughs> I don't i don't know if you do because i don't know what i'm gonna say okay because i could see i could see giving it four and a half but I could also see giving it five. That is some high praise from Ben Avery, ladies and gentlemen. That's I don't high, high those. praise. You're making me sound like I'm some sort of. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is you are very critical of your television show. Even Daredevil, who which you loved, by the way. And, and I remember listening to this going, he loves Daredevil. Still only four Billy Clubs. Here's the thing. I'm very reserved on giving a perfect score. Right. Especially to something that is, you know, arbitrary. You know, like I I will give you a perfect score on a math test because numbers are numbers and numbers don't lie. 
you know, but when it's something like this where, you know, is it perfect? Is it not? I won't give the season five Zephyrs. No, no. But I, this episode, I think I could, I think I could justify in my way of thinking anyway, um, giving it a five. I think there might be other people who are very easy. It would just be a very easy five to give it because of just the way different people judge things and that sort of thing. And, and there'd be other people who are just like, no way you can't give it a five, you know? And, and I leaned more toward that, but I think, I think I would give it a five just because I've been entertained and there's other episodes this season. I would give a five, but this the, the war episode. Oh, that's a five. Here's the thing with this episode. They did a great job of keeping it moving, not letting it get boring and changing things. From mm-hmm. from commercial break to commercial break. And so we go from being just kind of a, we're figuring out where we are and what we're doing. And then it turns into a technical problem we have to figure out. And then it turns into a murder mystery where the victims keep getting murdered. And it's a it's a closed room murder mystery. You know, it's it's one of those things where you literally have seven people, you know, murder on the Orient Express. You know, it's mm-hmm. but it's a closed room murder mes- mystery where they have to figure out who is killing us. And, and then you have that ticking time bomb and then it becomes this just really, really, um, just beautiful, uh, uh, just how, what's the word I'm looking for? It ends on a personal note. It ends on character development and motivation. It's a beautiful rumination on death. Yes. And, and life, you know, and friendship and it just, it. And then there's also the the comedy bit in the middle. So once they figure out the murder mystery, then it becomes this kind of action show where they never show the action, you know, because there's all these fight scenes where we just see the end of the fight scene and, and how it ended up. And, you know, one, one time, you know, they're all just laying there beaten and bloody and, and Deke is dead. Yeah. And, since and no a, one's upset that Deke is dead. Right. Cause it's a time loop. And so, you know what, if, if it if this was the last loop, they might be upset a little bit because he's actually dead, but he's not, and they know he's going to be back in the next loop, and uh, they do. And then just they a, gut punch you, yeah, with Enoch dying because this is the last one. It's yeah. either going to work or it's not, and if it doesn't work, they don't have time to do it again because they're one was it one meter away from the, yeah. the singularity or whatever it is. Um, you know Enoch's, what? I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say Enoch's death reminded me of another death from another movie, which was wherein a, a beam flew through Wash, and everybody went. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminded me of. I did not expect him to be as abrupt with his own demise as it was, but it's perfect for him because he's a robot, right? He thinks logically to the extreme and the logical thing to the extreme is to, you know, he has a thing he needs to get to, he needs to use the thing to make the, you know, the MacGuffin go away. Right. Yeah. It's logic at that point. I got to say, I laughed hard when he pulled the thing out because (laughs) they're getting ready to debate. And then all of a sudden you see his hand go in and his hand pulls it out and you're just like, that's, that's Enoch, you know, he just made the choice yeah, perfect. and, and I laughed. Um, and yeah. then, and then as you're watching him die, you're, I, I didn't cry, but, um, 
but yeah, you're, you're tugged at those emotions. You know, like this is this is a up and down, and it's funny, it's goofy, it's true to the characters. It's not mm-hmm. humor that's causing you to be like, oh, that's just that that doesn't fit this universe. You know, like a certain animated show that I saw a preview for that I just felt does not fit Are a you certain kidding me? universe. I. I I have fallen in love with that animated show, and I think it will fit the universe. I think it shows a different perspective of the universe. We're gonna have to have a post credit about that one. Uh, maybe maybe later, but I just color me not impressed. It's gonna have to really work hard to get me on board with that one. And I, I I'm easy. It says Star Trek on the top. Okay. <laughs> uh, time was I might have um, been, but not not now. Anyway, go ahead, Samantha. Um, uh, so Enoch pulling the, I wrote it down, electrochron displacement mechanism. (laughs) I realized when he did that, they didn't have to go through the whole mess of trying to get the device out of Gemma's head. They could have just gone to him and asked him if if he could think of anything to help them get out of this loop. Because he probably would have come up with it eventually. I don't know because he would have been starting the program or the problem over every single time when they would go to him. Um, and also they wouldn't have known that he was the solution. Because he was under orders, directives, what programming to prevent this. It's almost like he was trying to get no, no, them. No, no, to- no, 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 no. He was under directives to not have uh, the device taken out of Gemma. Right. He's not under directives to figure out a way to get them out of this time loop. But they, and that, I mean, even and and his own death to get them out and to uh, is one way. And we know this because in the very last time loop, he just pulls this device out of his chest. But he pulls it out because he was told that that's what it was going to take. I don't think he knew that that was what it was going to take. Like they are, they're going to him. They're asking him, and they're going to have a debate. And he just cuts the debate out by saying, here, I'm going to take this out myself. I, I don't think he knew. But because the whole. I don't think it. I just don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could have thought of it if, if given the chance. Maybe. But they knew for a fact that Gemma knew how to fix this thing. Like that's okay. th- that's the one thing that the reason they had to get it out and that it's been set up like this is Chekhov's Chekhov's Gemma's memory. Um, you know, when they, when they allowed her to remember before, like what was going on, they, in a previous episode, we see she knows how to fix this thing, but she's forgetting how to fix it because of the thing that's in her head. And so she's, that was, a that was the episode that was in the, was it the seventies? Because she's um. telling, she's telling Deke what to do. And she's like, I can't remember. And and this is where uh, Enoch is helping her to remember. And and then Deke gets confused about things because it looks like Enoch is doing something bad to Simmons. Um, yeah. So that shows us that she knows how to fix this machine. And that's, I think the natural conclusion is let's get her memory back. But. But, but. Enoch had to adjust this thing in her head anyways to get them out of that situation. 
Yeah. So the so question I, is. Just, yeah. My argument is I think there was a much more logical discussion made where no one had to get hurt in any time loop with Enoch, where he would, where Enoch would not have been a threat to the team. Well, my question is why was he so much of a threat this time? But before, when he was doing it himself and messing around with her head. Uh, Plotonium? <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. It, it did make for a great bad guy in this episode, though. Yeah. We've seen him. We've seen what he can do. Um, he's not completely murderous because when we finish those fight scenes, um, not everyone is dead. Yeah. But there were a couple times when I was afraid Sky was dead. My concern, too, was that eventually this also could happen to Coulson. Something like this. That he could get programmed? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not too far off the mark as far as that being a possibility. That's what caused them to even figure out in the first place who the murderer was. Is because he's talking about programming and he's talking about himself. And then he realizes, wait a minute. It must be the guy who was programmed to do it. Yeah. What if... What if it's Coulson who ends up in the helicarrier... What if it's this Coulson, the the Chronicom android Coulson, who ends up in the helicarrier in Avengers and gets stabbed by Loki? (laughs) Then we would never have an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. (laughs) Yes, we would have, because we did. Well, but here's how we would get it is LMD Coulson takes the place of real Coulson. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. That's and so right. LMD Coulson is the one who goes through all that stuff and then loops around. Yeah. It's but, Inception no, that's a, Coulson. Yeah, that's a grandfather paradox, <laughs> oh, though. By the way, I just watched uh, Star Trek Four and talk about grandfather paradoxes. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Four, great great series great uh, episode of the the movie series um when speaking of those uniforms when when kirk kirk goes to get some cash he sells a pair of antique glasses that dr mccoy gave him and i just this has always bugged me because spock says uh weren't those a gift from dr mccoy and and then kirk says and there will be again that's the beauty of it and it's no no. no, it's not the way that works. No. But it's Star Trek, so they don't have money anyway, so it's fine. When, <laughs> that, they, one they thing say I that. love about <laughs> I forgot they have cash in this. They're, they're still using cash in this society or something like that. Right. How does no? How does that work? <laughs> one thing about I love about the costuming in that movie. I don't know if it's because I've seen it in later years, but to me, the Star Trek uniforms they are wearing from that era that they came from seems they make them in such a way that it works. It's not, it doesn't seem odd in what, 1984, 1983, something like that. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, they, they definitely work. They definitely are of, of a time for sure. Yeah. Nuclear vessels. I thought we were talking about agents of shield. Yeah. We need to get, we get back to this episode of the agents of shield. We can't talk about (laughs) great movies from star Trek. We need to talk about great episodes of agents of shield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's no question at all in my mind that they're going to get out of this time loop thing, but 
this the it's the getting there you know the the mm-hmm. what is going to happen we know what's going to happen it's the hows and the whys that they do a really good job with in this episode so kudos to the whole team on that very one. much so and to the whole team of the season you know even though last episode wasn't as stellar as what we've been having the season is very good i will always say that so let's talk about character beats that we have here. Coulson is really having a crisis, an existential crisis uh, about what is he? It, does he have a soul? That actually comes up. Daisy says, of course you have a soul. So I put this to you, Stuart, Samantha. <laughs> does he have a soul? Hmm. And and for some people, the answer might be easy because they would say that the soul is nothing. It's just a, it's a, it's a, an idea that was constructed. Um, but if you believe in the concept of the soul, do you believe that Coulson could have one? It's hard to say. It's possible. I don't think it's out of. I mean, I, I, I'm one of those that believe that people have souls. Uh, I I believe that animals have souls um, and personalities, very distinct personalities. Um, but is this the same soul that was in the organic Coulson? It's definitely good. a very ex, it's it's an excellent copy of Coulson. That's a very good defining question that you're asking there because I would be one who would say that it is possible that he does have a soul, but it is not Coulson. You know, right. he, he's definitely a different uh, entity for sure. Yeah. Do we know if he believes he has a soul? seems like he doesn't then i would say he doesn't if he believes he does then i would say he does so you're saying that he would define the truth just by what he believes right so if he believes he doesn't have legs does he not have legs we didn't in the last episode that's true actually (laughs) bad example all right no but i i understand what you were saying um he will of course believe he has legs because he can empirically see them. Can he empirically touch his soul? No, but none of us can. Right. And that's what separates, you know, the, the man from the machine or the man from the Muppets. Are you a Muppet or a man? Um, <laughs> if he so, is a man, he's a Muppet of a man, but he's, he's a Muppet of a man. If he's a Muppet, he's a very manly Muppet. Some of this is how you define soul too. Right. I believe that as a human, you have to take, you have to say, I have a soul and then therefore take care of it. Um, and as if he is, we, we can all agree that the soul that is, if there is a soul in LMD Coulson, it is not the organic Coulson's soul. We can all agree on that. Does LMD Coulson have a soul? If he believes he does, then yes. And I think he's going to get there in this at the end of the series because I think it's this uh, this season is that's what he's tackling. That's what he's working through because there's two ways to look at it. And one is just this very practical kind of thing. But the other is, you know, the kind of hope versus nihilism, you know, like if if he's asking a question, do I even have a soul? Uh, And this show answers that question with the answer of no. Um. There are some shows I would totally accept that from. 
some books, you know, and there, there are storytell storytellers that I would say, okay, you write from a very nihilistic viewpoint. I accept this from you because that's the way that you write. And mm. so this story does not surprise me at all that you would end by saying no soul, <laughs> but agents of shield is not that like if they end this and they're like LMD Colson, no soul, he's a nothing, you know, and he's not a person. Like, I, I can't see them. Uh, I can't see I'm them. I'm going to even take it one step further. Okay. LMD. Mm, Enoch. Did Enoch have a soul? I would say, yes, the way that they're presenting him as a science fiction slash fantasy character. That, yes, there is a, a soul to him. There is a part of him that has life and personhood and will exist beyond mm-hmm. the body. <laughs> And for me, then, defining soul, I'm defining the spirit, the spiritual side of your personhood. That's how I define soul, and that's why I think I'm a little more loose with the idea that, you know, Data has a soul. I, I think Data is a person, has personhood, and therefore has a a lasting soul in the universe of Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> now that's like me. Brent, like Brent Spiner, Clark Gregg brings a lot of that to that character. If Coulson, LMD Coulson or LMD, let's say LMD Mac, but I don't necessarily like that, like that example, but I can't think of a different one. Um, I don't know if we had LMD Mac, if we'd be asking the same question. What I'm saying is we have LMD Colson as played by Clark Gregg, therefore inhabiting, you know, this character with, I think he does have a soul. I don't know if he thinks he does, but I think he does. So this is the fun questions we get to, we get to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and get to have, this is good sci-fi. You know, good mm-hmm. sci-fi gets you asking questions about, like, would time travel really work like that? And can a robot have a soul? And can a robot have a soul? I mean, because they're different. Can you know? an android dream of electric sheep? That is the question. That is, yes. That is exactly the question. So, all right. So that's that's a character arc there with Coulson. Another character arc we have going on here is Daisy and Souza. It's happened. My kids were happy. I don't think my son cared, but my daughters were happy. Um, I are you happy? Do you like it? Yes. Yeah, I do like it. I like it because it's not drawn out. You know, we don't need another race. <laughs> Ross and Rachel, or Rachel and Ross, or oh no, don't 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 Rachel or whatever. I mean, I we only to. have not go there. We don't have ten seasons with them together either. Right. You know, like we only have, yeah. uh, really, you know, I, I think we're gonna get more, was it 11 or 10 episodes with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but what I, you know, we already have that in Gemma and Fitz, you know, we already have these two star cross lovers. What we need from these guys, from Daisy and Sousa is we just need them to be good for each other. And then, and then that's it. We don't need more drama for that. Well, yeah, because yeah, what's fun, 
what could be fun is just Daisy and, and Sousa show up and Fitz is all, oh, come on. You know, <laughs> like you just get a long life together and look at what I got. Yeah. I, over the past few episodes, I will admit I have fallen a little bit in love with Sousa myself. And then when Jim, or I'm sorry, when Daisy wakes up and she goes, why are you still here? And I, I realize that, you know, he's there out of loyalty and, and affection. And then I realize, oh, these are qualities that my husband has. So I was like, okay, that's why I've, I'm, that's what I'm recognizing in this character is something that I, I see in my own husband. This guy um, is a good man. He's a good man. Mm-hmm. He's a good yeah. man. Um, I mean, he's a great example of of the kind of of person that Daisy needs, you know? And and they, they even they call it out in the episode. Um but yeah, I, I just he's there to support her. He doesn't ask questions. So all this stuff is happening, right? And she wakes up, she talks to him, and and she says, I'm having a time loop. Okay. <laughs> what can I do for you to help? He doesn't need to know all, all the details. He doesn't need some sort of um, special knowledge that comes from the time loop where she's like, they say this, he does that, she does this. And and it all happens, which possibly the most cliched part of, of this episode is, is when you have her using all the proof, you know, that she has from, from watching time go by. Um, it's only cliche because it has to happen. It's not because if you didn't have that in there, it wouldn't work. The episode wouldn't work. I That's debatable, but the fact <laughs> is he doesn't need her to do that. No. The other people do. She has to prove to them, but he just implicitly trusts her that what she says is 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 right and true. She's not going to deceive him. I mean there's there's a just a high level of trust and a high level of of loyalty. Here's what I liked about bringing him over here over to our over to our show. In Agent Carter, he was basically the same character. I mean at one point we thought Agent Sousa was Peggy's husband, you know, because we were batting around this idea that because in Winter Soldier or whatever, she she goes, yeah, Captain America saved my husband. And we thought, OK, well, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's Peg, you know, maybe Peggy married Sousa or whatever. They brought him over here. He is aged, obviously, but he's still the same guy. You know, he's still that upstanding, good man guy. Well, and. All along, though, there was the question of how did it work for him to have saved her husband because we knew from the beginning that Sousa served in the Pacific and mm-hmm. and Captain America was in the European theater. Right. And so we were, it, was, it was this question of how are they going to explain this? You know, how are they going to show us? And then they never do. And the reason that they never do is because, well, two reasons. Agent Carter got canceled. And the other reason was later on, as they were continuing the movie side of things, um, well, we know what happens there. Right. But even then, we wanted Sousa to be with someone awesome. You know, we wanted Sousa to be with Agent Carter. 
Now we want Souza to be with Daisy. And it's fine. It's good. You know, he deserves to be with someone good. Mm. Plus, I think the reason why he is just going with the flow is um, because this is not his first go around with science fiction. And he understands, okay, there's weirdness going on here, but this is the information I need to be able to help the situation. And I'm going to help. That's what he's all about. So what does he say in the end where he's maybe referring to agent Carter, the series, he says something about being around people who need help or something like that. I I think what he's saying is he has a type and that type is a strong female character. It's someone who needs his support, though. Like, it's yes. someone who they are going strong, they're doing what they need to do, and he can support them in it. Like, that's... And he's not offended by the fact that they are very strong-willed characters. Yeah, and they're the ones who are doing the action. Yeah. You know? And... But he's gonna help. He's gonna go and fight Enoch. <laughs> not, yes. Not the smartest thing. But then again, if Day- if Daisy's telling the truth, then it'll all be okay. Would he have been a good candidate for the super serum? Probably. Probably, yeah. So if if he was in New Jersey or Paramus when Steve Rogers was there and Dr. What's his name? Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um saw him instead of Steve. We could have had him be the Captain America. Hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that's your what if Disney. That's your Disney. Or no, you have Peggy taking the serum. Never yeah, mind. that's 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 the actual what if. Yeah. So oh, I can't wait for that. All right. So Simmons. Simmons is going through this whole thing. Um, she gets killed. She gets brain surgery tried on her. Finally, it all works. They take out Diana. And she breaks down. What have we done? What are we doing? What's going on? What? Why? Why do we do what? We, what was going on there? I I like what you said, Samantha, earlier in this episode. Um, that maybe she was seeing like all the deaths. Um. Because the question is, what did she remember? That that's probably a question we're going to have all through the rest of the series. But at least we're going to get an answer. Yes. We're going to get an answer. We'd better. <laughs> uh, who else are we missing? Oh. Oh, oh, about uh, Gemma, her secret. So it, it, it gets out from her own little family unit. Um, Daisy and Colson discover it. It's not the Chronicoms that discover the, the secret from um, uh, Deke. It's just Daisy and Colson just happened to overhear it. What do you mean? Which earlier in the season we were speculating that the Chronicoms were going to learn about the secret by kidnapping Deke and uh, scanning his brain. That he would give. That's up. not yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's not what happened. Of course, there are four episodes left in the series. Who knows? Um, but I mean, that's that's not. It didn't turn out that way that we had supposed it would. Um. 
So it's not a life or death situation. Well, it is a life and death situation, but it's not, it plays out very differently than what we thought it was going to be. It's, yeah. it's not necessarily a, um, uh, her, her secret doesn't immediately cause a death that's not fixable because they're stuck in a loop. Uh, um, it doesn't cause a permanent, well, it does cause a permanent death to Enoch. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting though, because they go through all that to get it out, but then they're just going to go back into another loop and, yeah. and then her, her secret's safe again. She won't even remember the things that she remembered from the loop when they got the information that they needed. Because it's the next loop when they when they actually fix the time drive. Uh, Mac and Yo-Yo don't do too much. Uh, same with Deke. Um, they have to be convinced. Well, actually, Yo-Yo doesn't. Colson just goes, gets her, and, and she's like, uh, I'll do anything. I just want to do something and be on a video monitor. I'm going to ask you guys. Let me ask you guys this. Oh, go ahead. Did you guys know it was a loop when it first started? Yes. Yes, I did because I saw the preview. Oh, same. I didn't know it was a loop. So I was very careful not to say anything about, uh, Star Trek tropes. Um, because I didn't want you to know, because I knew that you don't watch the, the the preview. So, yeah, no, I I knew not because of anything special, not because I figured it out because of my amazing brain or anything. No, it was just I saw the preview, and got very excited about this style of episode, which, as I said before, it could very easily be done poorly, but. They did a I'm trying to great think job. Of a port. I'm trying to think of a version of this story that's been done poorly. Groundhog's Day, the probably tenth time the you've watched shows, it. <laughs> yes. Probably the I mean, the only shows that I've known to tackle this kind of situation are just really good sci fi it's just a really good sci fi series, anyways. I mean, any sci fi series that would do this poorly. They they're typically canceled before they even get to the point where they can do something like this. Did Buffy do one? I'm pretty sure there was at some point. There some was, sort of loop episode. I guess the what I would judge it on is is it rewatchable once you know the secret? And that's yes. you know so there's a uh, Disney Christmas special that has um, the three uh, Duck Boys uh, reliving Christmas. Every day, and they keep waking up, and it's Christmas again. Oh, and I remember yeah. that, that was okay, but not the second time I watched it. <laughs> Just <laughs> oh, Ben, yes, it's the uh, the Buffy episode. It's called Life Serial. It it aired during season six, okay. which is a very unlikable season. What? Yeah. Um, well, this is not the Buffy podcast, so we'll have to this, let that yeah, one Yeah, but this is the season with the trio as the villains. And then at the end yeah. of the season, um, 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 Will, Evil Willow kills the three. Um, this is the season with Once More with Feeling. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest episodes of television ever. That's true. Um, but it's just not the best season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Incidentally, 
there's a rumor. I don't know if this is true. I would like to find out if it is true, but there's a rumor that the Star Trek Next Generation episode caused an effect when it aired on some stations. They actually played the same exact commercial breaks as well. <laughs> so, so like if that's true, it's fantastic. <laughs> so like but. the first commercial break was uh for a car dealership and the second commercial break was for the exact same car dealership. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like car dealership, Menards, um, circuit city. And then, <laughs> and then the next, Kids, the next commercial break Google was the same circuit one. City. <laughs> I was trying to think of something old. Um, Honestly, I, I've seen that happen with other shows, but I, I don't remember because I always saw the TNG episodes when they aired in the afternoon in syndication. Um, I, so I don't remember that exactly, but I know I have seen same commercial breaks accidentally repeated in the same show. That's um, not before. an accident. So I, no, it's not an accident. What it is is yeah. they they have they have to put in you know the 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 car dealership buys so many minutes of I know I know well and yeah. and they want the repetition um right. and so I, I think that as a gimmick the the TV station saying hey we've got this TV show it's doing this would you like to be a part of this gimmick and buy four 30 second spots in this in this show instead of just one or two um I think that there's something fun to the gimmick but that's true, yeah. That um, right we may there, have given them a deal on that gimmick, too. That right there, that's a good ad seller. Yeah. That's what that is. So there's also something I want to I want to track this down. But I once I realized, hey, we're going to be talking a lot about this Groundhog Day thing, I wanted to look into, like, where did this start? How did this start? Mm. Um, there is an old Japanese novel that was made into a movie called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Um, but that Japanese novel goes back into the, I think it's from the 60s. But there's also an episode of the radio program The Shadow where there is a time loop kind of a situation. And the only people who know that the time loop is happening is the person who made the time machine. And then because of his superpowers, The Shadow knows. And he also knows what evil lurks behind. Uh, I was going to say, he knows hearts of men. lots of things. Yeah, but um, I have to track this down because I really want to hear this now because this goes way back further. I mean, Next Generation, their episode was before Groundhog Day. Um, but the Japanese novel takes us way back into the 60s and then this shadow thing takes us, you know, around or before World War One. So, or World War Two, not World War I. Um, I was going to say, wasn't the shadow in the 30s? Yeah, yeah. And... Radio drama really wasn't much of a thing around World War One. So, uh, but anyway, I'm really Radio curious about that. Wasn't really a thing. Well, that's that's why the yeah. So anyway, yeah, no, I would be interested to hear that. So if you find that, I I I will put it into my player. All right. Very good. So that's our episode. Then I want to thank everyone for listening, and I want to thank our our Patreon patrons for patronizing us hey wait no we still have feedback to talk about <gasps> feedback do all right agent kyle writes in subject line is farewell to enoch 
Hello, fellow agents. As I have always been has got to be one of my favorite episodes of the series. Our two main characters throughout the series, Daisy and Colson, are stuck in the time loop trying to figure out how to end it. There's humor, sadness, anger, curiosity, and all going on during this episode. I'd like to give a lot of credit to Elizabeth Henstridge for directing this episode. She did a phenomenal job working with such an intertwined story. Enoch made the ultimate sacrifice for the team, and I'm going to miss him. He brought a new dynamic to the group that was missing prior, while also delivering a daunting statement to Daisy at his end. Daisy and Souza have had more chemistry in the handful of episodes they've been in, as opposed to Peggy, over two seasons. Controversial opinion, maybe? I've been all over the place in this email, but I just absolutely love this episode and have watched it twice already. Thanks, Agent Kyle. And then Agent Brian writes in to say, hello, agents. This may be my favorite episode. Wait, that's familiar. Uh, I'm always up for a good time travel loop-to-loop story. The pacing was great. The humor was just enough and in the right spots. A murder mystery? There are only two problems I have with it. The ending. So sad. Also, Enoch claiming Fitz is his best friend, but Fitz is nowhere to be found. Ugh, not cool. Not cool. At this point, I feel like Ian was either busy filming something else or he just didn't want to be in the season and the writers are writing around it. I don't see how any actual story plot can be worth his absence if this is indeed what the writers had planned all along. But for a bottle episode, this is one of the best I have ever seen. And that was from Brian. And finally... There is an email from 084, and I am talking weird so I can get to it. There it is. Okay. Message, Shield 709 feedback. This was my favorite episode of the season so far. That's three for three in our feedback. Amazing character development for Colson Bot, Enoch, and Daisy, and an amazing character moments for most of the rest of the cast. Souza comparing Daisy to maybe the greatest person who ever lived without managing to say the name was cute, and I can't help but ship it. Something to keep in mind is that Daisy has had quake powers for about four years, including weird time skips and jumps that the show has made. As of 1983, Malik has had them for seven years and counting, so it should be interesting to see what he's done with his powers in the meantime and how the team takes him down. Simmons breaking down when she got her memories back has got to be a tease for a heartbreaking flashback episode whenever it comes. But at this point, I can't feel entitled to anything beyond what the show is giving me. Following these characters so far has been such a treat, and I'm going to appreciate these last four episodes without bringing myself down with nitpicks. Until next time. That was from 084. And that, my friends, is an episode. I just want to say I applaud 084's uh, stance on the where's fits debate. Don't even worry about it. Just let it happen. Hmm. I'm worrying about it. <laughs> so am I. I'm applauding him for not, is what I'm trying to say. Well, guys, it, there's four episodes left, which means within the next month, we will know something. It's true. It's very yeah. true. Yes, we will know how it ends. So I want to also say thank you to our four Patreon patrons. That is Agent Jeffrey, Agent Tassel, Agent Blessed Cheesemaker, and Agent 084. So update the board, please, Samantha. Those are our four current Patreon patrons that we need to say thank you to. Okay. We'll All do. right. Nice. <laughs> I think after an episode like this, Samantha Stewart, 
there's really only one thing we can say. Flablotnum. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is the light fantastic by JS Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx. MX. And once again, thanks for listening. Phlebotinum, an impossible or imaginary device which is used to move forward the plot of a TV show, book, or film, especially in science fiction and fantasy. The reader does not know how phlebotinum would work, and the creators hope he or she doesn't care. That is the Macmillan Dictionary definition from September 18th, 2011. This is a term that is actually in the dictionary. That's way better than unobtainium. Way better. So it's a made-up word that was codified, like irregardless. I hate that, that that was codified. People use it. There's no way around it. I know. There's no way around it. Okay, that's it. Then. Oh, by the way, uh, Hellstrom, it's coming. Yes, on my birthday, and, and it might... not with the Marvel banner. Yeah, we're gonna have to play the game. Is it MCU? But we'll be uh, flirting with covering it. So. <laughs> <sighs> oh, also, also, the um, the uh, the other piece of news that dropped today about Spider Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Date was moved uh, to when? Yeah. The- January of 2021. Oh, it's January. I'm, I'm sorry, not January. December of 2021. Oh, oh I was going to say, that's really, that's a yeah. lot closer I was gonna than s- I would have expected. Yeah, well, I was... So basically, from the time we record this episode, it's, it's about a year and a half out. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It'll get here when it does. That's what 2020 has taught us. Yeah, yes. they haven't yet moved uh, Black Widow. Which is still November, but they have uh, moved Mulan to an indefinite Off date. They the just schedule. just don't have it on the schedule at all. And Good, I think, because I actually want to see that movie in the theater. Well, here's the thing: I th- I think that they can't afford not to put it in the theater. And I think they're really expecting a big international um, payday on it. But oh yes, they so they can't afford to just go Disney Plus with it. And yes. I don't know. Same with Black I mean, Widow. Just, I mean, Black Widow could make them all a lot of money in theaters, but yeah. <laughs> are your guys' theaters doing like throwback movies? Ours aren't open yet. Ours are Our, totally shut down. Ours are doing like, yeah, last week they had the original 1989 Batman with Prince. I mean, Michael Keaton. And this year, this week, they've got Wizard of Oz. There you weren't was a, wrong about saying the one with Prince. I know. He, he is on the soundtrack. 
Oh, he's all over the place on that thing. But, I have uh, that. I have that soundtrack somewhere. It's a great it, soundtrack. Empire Strikes Back had the highest opening weekend uh, this this year. Um, it Since was when 1999, 97. No, no. I mean, it was it was like the number one movie. The weekend that it came out in, in England, I think. Oh, OK. This this year. Um, so it was okay. it was it was number one movie again this year. So I didn't realize that was in England, but yeah. Well, I knew I mean maybe it's not only in England, may, it might have been in the states too. I just know that it was in England. Um mm-hmm. uh, that was just part of the when it was when they were announcing that it was happening, they were saying it was happening in England. So That was a headline that I scrolled right past. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right. Well, all right. That's an episode. That is an episode. Thanks you too. Good night. Talk to you later. Good night. Bye. Bye.